Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Books to Last podcast. This week we're joined by Delima, host of the Pieces of Books podcast, and we talk magical realism, parallel worlds, uh, one of my all-time favourite authors, um, thrillers, suspense, romance, all that, everything in between. Um, I hope you enjoy! Hello, Delima. Thank you so much for being on the podcast and uh, joining us today. Um, how are you doing? You having a good I'm day? Good. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Hi, Jordan. Thank you for having me. Uh, honestly, it's my pleasure completely. I, I'm so looking forward to this list. Um, so uh, just to start us off, are you reading anything at the moment? Yes, I do, actually. It's, um, it's called House Moving Cas- Castle oh yeah the the book version I I was always like I have this tendency to just watch the movie first and then I find oh story so interesting I gotta read the book <laughs> the other way around I um I may end up reading that next month because um I'm joining a readathon that uh, a friend um is hosting on um their youtube channel with a bunch of other youtubers um it's a studio ghibli themed um Mm. uh readathon so they've got like prompts for a bingo card and then they also have them sort of aligned with movies and i um have never actually watched any of the films even though they've been on my list of films to watch forever so i definitely want to kind of watch them like as part of the readathon next month and then I'm going to read some books and I know the group book is Howl's Moving Castle for the month. So yeah, that's really cool. Are, are you, are you enjoying it as much as the film? Is the film a good adapt- adaptation? I think, I think the movie just like turned the, the story really alive and, but I found some like uh, completely different, like complete opposites from the book, especially with the Howl character. He's a, he's a wizard and in the movie, he was he was like he was he was uh, described as this um, gentleman like man kind of. He sort of just like helped people, and then he also participated in a war because the movie uh, described this um, you know, some sort of like made made up continent, and they were in the middle of war. This this nations, and how uh, apparently as as one of the wizards in the land on the land he he was he was like forced to do that he was forced to be participating in the war um but in the book there's no war at all so it's like it's like it's normal daily life for him he was he was actually a really like this player guy he hopped on from an, from one girl to another girl it's like it's like a mission it's like a it's like some sort of um a chores like a to-do list for him and the, the the other protagonist i mean the other character i think she she's called sophie and she, she in the movie she was she was pictured as house love interest when it was far from that in the book and how was just sort of like treating her very poorly in the book and i was i was really surprised to find that and wow this is so different than the movie i i thought that it would be like yeah, so 
after watching the movie and then reading the book, I was I was really like liking Howl because of the appearance and all. He he has the like this short hair. He has very chic appearance <laughs> and eccentric looking because he he wears all these jewelries and he has yellow hair and then he dyed it black some sort of like dark blue but then when I read the story I'm like I hate this guy <laughs> yeah oh that I mean it usually like usually it's the other way around in liking them more in the books because you can see it from their perspective but that's oh that's really cool I I just know I mean all of the editions I've seen of like Howl's Moving Castle just look so pretty that I just I feel like it would just be a very like magical book to read so I yeah, definitely one that I'm going to have to get round to. And it sounds like you're enjoying it, which is really good. So, well, maybe not as much as the film. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but the movie, movie really is really pretty, the the animation and all. And they, they have lots of flowers and like vast green field. And then they, they hop on from one location to another. So Hal has this magic house. He has like a, he has like a, like a doorknob or like a, a spin on top of his door and when he spin that he's the the house is going to transfer into some other location it's really uh, yeah that's not, that's that sounds cool oh awesome well we um are going to talk about some other awesome books today i'm very, very excited um for any listeners who don't know maybe are just joining the podcast uh for this episode um, the Books to Last podcast uh, challenges book lovers to pick the only five books they're allowed to take with them when they're cast away forever to some isolated mystery remote location. Uh, basically, just the five books that they can't live without and could read over and over and over again. Um, <clears throat> as part of this, our guest gets to pick um, the isolated location they're going to be cast away to. Uh, Delima, I know you've thought about this. What is the location you wish to be cast away to? I I gave a deep thought about this and I act, I finally decided that I want to deliberately go to a remote location somewhere in France, specifically province. It's, it's this region in the southeastern France. And um, it started from a specific hashtag that I followed on Instagram. It's called the Paris Guru. And then... Um, when I scroll on Instagram, it's like they have this um, very diverse pictures from Paris and France, mostly fashion. But then I got to I got to the to the part where they where they also have this like rural location and remote location where there's only like um, so much so much nature in the pictures, and I thought where where's this place? And there's there's so much like cobblestone path. And then just, um, I find this really unique, like villages with with houses that like built on top of the uneven land. So if if the land is 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 um, designed like from low to higher, then and then the house is going to build exactly like the land, like following that. And then they're very they're very unique looking, and not not all of them like, I mean. It's, it looks like a house, but um, there's a narrow one and then there's a bigger one. It's like, it's like really just, just um, following the structure of the path. And then I browse on that place and I found that it's located in Provence. Is, is it the way to, to pronounce, the, the correct way to uh, pronounce it? Provence? Think, Provence? Yeah, Provence, I think. Yeah. 
I'm going to have to follow this hashtag on Instagram though, because yeah, <laughs> that sounds have, really cool. They have like this secluded villas and it's looking across like vast field. It's very cottage core. And I thought to myself, uh, it will be really nice just to like go there and then read all the books that I wanted to read. And just, yeah. When I finally got the, your info uh, in my email and then I just thought province would be would be really great to go there that sounds really cool a nice remote villa in province france which sounds re- it sounds like an amazing place i um i don't think i've ever been to the south of france but i pardon where do you live exactly in uk uh so i live in like the midlands in the uk so um it's sort of near Manchester and Birmingham, so a bit further north um, in the country. So a fair way off London, really. Um, but it's quite a small city um, uh, called Stoke-on-Trent. So um, we, I mean, we did school trips to France a few times when we were younger. And um, it is, it's a really amazing country. I did a French exchange, actually, um, sort of not quite the south of France but in the more southern regions and it's a really amazing part of the country um and yeah a villa in France is not one that we've had for our mystery remote location and um I can imagine that just be like say cottage core very calming and soothing for reading your your five books which leads us quite nicely onto your list so what is the first book you will be taking to your villa in France the first book is actually something that I have been um, I've been like thinking before because uh, the first one this is from an author that um, I really I really respect from the way of uh, his his writing and then the way he set the tone to his stories and also just he he has a little bit of patterns when creating his pieces but then it sort of just like unfold into something that you wouldn't actually expect in the beginning when you started reading these books. So the author is Haruki Murakami. He is he's a Japanese author, and the first book of his that I I read was actually One Q84, but I didn't get to finish that because it's like a thousand pages long. And that time when I started reading it, I was like at the busiest time in college. So I tried I tried to keep up. I was I was reaching about like 500 pages probably like 500 less maybe at about 490 something and then after that I sort of just like oh, I can't finish this maybe some other time <laughs> and then I just I just tried to read his books again because uh when I was uh, like a bit younger I don't I I have to like bring up the fact that English is not my first language too so I kind of have like a hard time reading reading the thicker books because I kept I kept opening and then closing the dictionary and then I go up again to read the books again and sometimes um, some some sentences or some words in the paragraphs I couldn't really like comprehend clearly so then I started to just like when I got better with English and then I just thought that maybe it's time to give it a read again. And but it's not one Q84 after that. I got to read 
uh, another of his book, which is the Wind Up Bird Chronicle. And then actually the, the first book in the list is his other book that I have read, which called Killing Commendator. I actually have the book right here. So yeah, it's about, it's a book about uh, a portrait painter, painter, a portrait artist, a 30 something portrait artist. And he had just separated from his wife. So then, but the book, but the book more described him more as abandoned by his wife. And after that separation, he decided to just embark on a solo trip, like across Japan. So he rented a, a car and then he just drive across Japan. But then the car, because it's already like a, an, an old car, and then it actually like it's it finally broke down and then he just had to go home. <clears throat> so then he, he went home to pick up his things. And then after that, uh, he had to move out somehow, somehow like his wife, his wife is going to remarry. Uh, his wife said to him that she is going to remarry and then she, he has to move out. And then he, he consulted to an old friend from college, this, this uh, portrait artist. So a friend from college, uh, his name is Masahiko. And Masahiko has a father who has dementia and it's worsened. So he has to go to a retirement house. And then the thing about this is that Masahiko has a house like on top of the hill, like in the mountain neighborhood. So uh, people actually have to go like this really complicated street and then they just go up and up and away from the city. And he said to the artist, to the protagonist, he said that I wanted to, I wanted you to live there because I didn't really want that house to be empty. Mm. So it's like, uh, he offered the house for free, but the protagonist actually had to take care of the house. Uh, and then, uh, so, it's, the, uh, mm-hmm. so it's all about, uh, so it's, it's mainly about the guy dealing with his divorce with the help of this like portrait artist. Mm-hmm, okay. So <sighs> it's like, um, I'll get to the point. And it's like, he, he is, he is also like, I think why I picked this book is because he's also isolated, like on top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. And then he started to, to hear like weird things uh, up there, like a bell ringing in the middle of the night. And then he has a weird neighbor who actually like paid him a big commission. Like I want you to paint my portrait, but here's a big commission. But then I want you to do something for me too. It's like, uh, it's really oh. weird. And- from there it's like downward spiral and then the pattern that I mentioned about with Haruki Murakami is that he always he always used like an alternate universe in his story so that the protagonist is always starting at his real universe and then he somehow had to transfer to other universe to solve like a problem and it it will circle back to the problems that he had in the first place sort of like that Oh wow, that it sounds really, really interesting. I, it's he, it's not an author I've um heard of before, but it sounds like there are really sort of intricate books. And I mean, having the multiverse, alternate universe yeah. sort of element, that is, I mean, that's something that's a real skill to be able to write stuff because I mean, getting that sort of all <clears throat> straight in. So in your head, like that's really, really impressive. Also, I mean, I have always wanted to read a book in a language that's not mine. Um, it's on my list of things to do. So I just have so much 
I'm so impressed by anyone who's able to do that, no matter how sort of large or small the book, because I just think, uh, yeah, it's just really, really impressive. I, I have got, I've, I've got an idea in mind of where I want to start with it, but I would eventually like to read books in like French because I really like Alexander Dumas. And I'd really like to read his books in his language, but a um, bit of a side, uh, just a little side note. But yeah, I I think it sounds like a really, really interesting book. Is it, are they quite long books? It sounds like it's really... Yeah, it's, it's like, it's like 700 pages. Yeah, 730, 34, for exact. <laughs> and it's always like um his book always give me the feelings that what am I reading in the middle and then suddenly I was just it's just like the feeling is like you need to know what's going to end up for him like what's going to happen to him in the end and it's just like the only thing that pushed me to finish the book because I needed to know <laughs> that's really really cool I I think that sounds um like a really interesting and also with the theme of isolation so it will be sort of you're very into that mindset um, in your own sort of reading, which would be really cool. Um, what book would be joining um, it on your list to take with you to your villa? The second book is um, like probably like the all-time favorites of many people. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's like um, suitable with the, like, what is it called? The vibe too, like cottage core thing, and then the view, um, the sites that I will, that I can imagine how will will see there, and also it's 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 like I think that there's also like a hint of cottage core in this. It's Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. Ah, uh, <laughs> personal favorite of my own as well. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Like I really love it. I just uh, same same with the same with the Howl moving castle I watched the movie first and then I just sort of like fell in love with all the cinematography and the characters or well, I didn't watch the like the tv series but yeah. I watched the one with Kira Knightley in it and like oh my god the like the house and the farm and all these you know greens and trees and like they're they're visiting houses carriage horses and like I love this I really love this and then it's just when I when I read the books I don't know it's just some it is a simple story right like uh, they have the this group of sisters that that you know they, they their final mission is to like marry rich because they're all women and they can they can be all an heiress to do to the house of Mr. Bennett they have to they have to point a cousin uh, mr collins and then it was just it was it was a really simple story but it's like uh it's like very dear to me and also people probably think that um well it's obviously mr darcy and all but yeah yeah it's like it's a familiar thing. Maybe it's because I watched the movie too many times. And then I also <laughs> reread the books for a couple of times too. It's like, it's yeah. like a comfort book. It's, it's a really great comfort book. I mean, one of um, a past guest of the podcast, a friend of mine, uh, Ruby, she also picked Pride and Prejudice. And we have had lengthy sort of discussions about um, 
the movie versus the TV adaptation because she loves the movie as well. And uh, Pride and Prejudice is a big comfort thing. And I I adore Pride and Prejudice. It's definitely one of my favourite books of all time as well. I read it at school for English uh, when I was quite young and impressionable and it left a big impact on me as a reader because I'd never really been into like classic novels before that. Um, But the beauty of Jane Austen is that her stories are at their core, really simple stories are just about people and nothing, nothing particularly extravagant happens. And, um, you know, there isn't a lot of action, but I remember reading um, Pride and Prejudice um, way into the early hours of the night because I wanted to know what happened. And I, I just like key scenes um even though there's very little action happening when like Darcy proposes for the first time I remember being abs- I had to stop reading and take like take in what was happening <laughs> and I oh, no, it's going. <laughs> and just like oh, oh no what is he doing what is he doing <laughs> um <laughs> and I just remember just being absolutely yeah just completely drawn into the entire story which like I say it's it's very simple but she just has this way of constructing characters um I still need to watch the film I will watch the film I do need to realistically I should watch the film because um the BBC adaption the TV series is six episodes long it's it's six hours worth of watching and I cannot just like casually rewatch a six hour long show <laughs> whereas a movie is is much shorter than that and I would be able to just rewatch that quickly um but it's yeah Pride and Prejudice is a good one and also I I have a thing for Pride and Prejudice retellings especially Pride and Prejudice retellings in other cultures I have an, a collection of Austin retelling <laughs> retellings of her different stories and every single time the story in any of its forms is just they're always good (laughs) yeah I don't know what's 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 with it it's just like when I think about it again it's like it's a very simple story you know uh, let's just say that oh I'm a woman I have to marry rich and then happy ending but I don't know I don't know it's just something in the story yeah I remember just I loved uh I loved Lizzie Bennett as a character I just thought she was amazing and I found the majority of her sisters really annoying so I sympathized <laughs> with all of her troubles um I just it's just yeah just a really there's a reason it's a classic and it's a reason why it's so many people's all-time favorite um yeah it's a it's a really and also a great book to read in a cottage core situation because it's just got all of those vibes um yeah <laughs> Um, have you read any of Austin's other stories um, apart from Pride and Prejudice? No, I haven't actually. It's 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 like it's like a habit. Like I really like you said that you you're not really like fond of the idea of rereading books, but I'm really fond of that. I don't know why I do that. It's just um, I'm really just like fond of this sort of nostalgia thing. Like I used to read Harry Potter books, but in Indonesian language. And then when I finally got to like understand English better when I was then when I was younger, I would just like reread them again, just to like remember what it was like when I was reading it the first time. And 
um, the thing is that I kept purchasing books. I kept purchasing books and I wanted to read many more books. But then I I got I saw the, the older books and then I just like, huh, I'm going to reread that again. It's not really productive, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't have to read to be productive. We have to read to enjoy <laughs> ourselves. And if you're enjoying yourself, that's the important thing. I... Um, so after I read Pride and Prejudice, I kind of thought, oh, I'll read some more of a book. So I, I started to read Mansfield Park and um, I could not finish it. I really did not like the main character in that book <laughs> um, because she is very, very, very different to Lizzie Bennett in all the wrong ways. <laughs> and I remember I didn't want to read it because I just didn't like it. I, and I it really upset me. So I kind of came away from it. And I just for a long time, Pride and Prejudice was the only book of hers that I read. And then I recently read Persuasion, which is definitely closer to Pride and Prejudice. And I, I, I really enjoyed that one. So I'm, I've basically decided that I'm going to try and read all of them, but I'm never going to read Mansfield Park. <laughs> One I'm, thinking about giving, I'm thinking about giving Emma a read but yeah for another book I don't really I don't really want to read it right now maybe some other yeah. time I to be I mean I read Emma as well I think between trying Mansfield Park and doing uh, Persuasion recently and Emma's another one that's very good and they've also done what I've heard is very good films of it as well so the adaptions are um but like the so the same people who did the Pride and Prejudice TV series did another one for Emma, but then they've also released a movie, I think. Uh, the one with Anya Taylor-Joy, is it? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, that sounds right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. so they recently done a movie for that one as well, um, which I want to watch, but I haven't read Emma in a while. But that's another, Emma is another good one. Emma made me laugh quite a lot because it's just very different characters to Pride and Prejudice, but... Um, also equally funny. Um, but yeah, Keep that in mind. Uh, yeah, it's uh, maybe wants to check out. But honestly, I don't think I wish I could reread more books because there's some books that I absolutely adore and I just want to reread them. But I, I need to make a habit of rereading books more. I think because you get so much more out of them the second and third time you read them because yeah. you, you see things you didn't see I mean I reread Harry Potter when I was quite young so I read them all the way through and then I read them I think again when I was a bit older and um you do you see things that you didn't see the first time you got mm-hmm. to read them so yeah um okay so we are on to book three um what is the third book that will be joining your little shelf in your villa i was mentioning this earlier it's harry potter and the half blood prince it's by jk rowling wow half blood prince okay go on yeah sorry (laughs) um actually i have the indonesian edition but then they released the 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 house edition and i just have i just have to buy it and then i thought yeah well maybe i'm gonna reread it again Mm -hmm. and um what I like about the Half-Blood Prince is that they uh, essentially Harry is like more mature than any other books. And he he was just sort of like um, placed in this responsibility, like a huge responsibility because he was traveling out with Dumbledore at some point in the chapters. He was traveling out to hunt Horcruxes. And then 
it turns out, well, everybody knows this, right? It, this is not a spoiler alert, right? <laughs> The, the Horcrux is actually a false one, and they were sacrificing a lot of things um, to get that, to get the false Horcrux. And it it felt like it felt like the trip was was a waste, and they they achieved nothing. But then I thought to myself, like Harry, Harry was really responsible in that scene. He he was like he was uh, put to a promise by Dumbledore that he was going to obey what he said what he asked him to do and he really did and even though it's like i know that uh at some point i think i i see it as that dumbledore is one of harry's parental figures and then he between like obeying what he asked him to do and it was actually what he asked him to do was actually like the opposite of being like i don't know respectful to him because he was he was drinking poison to get the Horcrux, right? And then yeah. Dumbledore was just like this old man, and he was kept, he kept drinking this poison, and it's really it's really heartbreaking. And then Harry is forced to just like keep him drinking that, and it's just it is his command. But at the same time, it's like is this? I think I can't I can't really feel him like torn in that scene. Yeah, and then when he came back and then he thought he could trust another member of the like the what's the organization the again? order of the phoenix yeah the order of phoenix yes. well then... i mean he yeah he has mixed feelings about <laughs> particular <laughs> members so he was he was always hating on snape right but then yeah. he, he started to think like every other member was like you are blinded by hate he he's on our side and then he witnessed it by his own eyes, even though that he yeah. didn't understand the situation at that time. I was, I was just like, I was really absorbed in the story. And I like, I really like uh, finished reading less than like five days, even though lately it's difficult for me to finish a book yeah. in that quick. And for this book, I, I really just like, um, I can't stay up as late and I'm not getting drowsy at all reading all the pages. <laughs> yeah. And I cried too at the end. <laughs> oh, definitely. Is so is Halfwood would you say Halfwood Prince is your favorite of the series then out of all seven books? I think so, yeah. Or is, is it seven? Following yeah, it's the, seven. the Order of Phoenix. Uh yeah. I See, I so I mean I've actually got some really just hearing you talk about it is just re reminding me of all the sort of good memories I have like of Half-Blood Prince because um, a lot of really I mean it's a really sad book at the end and um, it has a lot of really dark moments in it I mean that scene that you described in particular is, is very hard to sort of observe um, but it also a lot of really good things happen in that series I mean Mm -hmm. Harry again okay so I feel like we don't have to apologize for spoilers for literally one of the most famous franchises um <laughs> in in the world um if you don't know any of these things happen then I don't think you're ever gonna want to find out because it means you've not read or watched the films <laughs> um but um Harry and Ginny finally get together which is yeah. like a brief shining moment that's taken away at the very last moment and yeah. um that was something that I'd been wanting for such a long time because um, it just seems so obvious. Well, the thing is, okay, so it seems so obvious to everyone. And then I recently spoke to someone 
like I think it was like a waiter um, once because uh, somehow Harry Potter came up and he mentioned that he didn't think that Harry and Ginny should get together. And I remember I just I was like, I, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> um, and he actually said that he always thought that Harry should end up with Luna um, oh. because... Okay. And his thinking was um, they actually become quite close in Order of the Phoenix and they both have this shared bond of having like lost parents and seen death and um, they have like quite, you know, and she's she's kind of very relaxed and happy um, forever all the horrible things that has happened to her and that would be something that would be quite good for Harry to be around. And I remember this guy telling me about this theory he had and I'm like, I still want her, him and Ginny to be together, but I wouldn't have hated it <laughs> if he'd ended up with Luna. You've you've given me an alternate universe that I can live with. That's that's possible. I mean, yeah, they have a lot of things in common, but maybe I just think it from the angle that Harry didn't really need like all these. Maybe maybe he has that common things with Luna, but he he was better off sharing it as a friend. As yeah, friends. like. I think um, I definitely think yeah him and Ginny were the better match I think more than that Harry needed a family and he got a family with the Weasleys and he got to be properly part of the family and not just Molly's adopted seventh son <laughs> yeah definitely but um yeah the Half-Blood Prince I I think that's quite a few people's favorite as well because I mean so I'm not a huge fan of Order of the Phoenix. I do understand why Harry is as grumpy as he is in that in that book. Um, I've had it like recently explained to me that he's like, he's basically suffering from PTSD after what happened in Goblet of Fire. And that's why he is the way he is in the next book. Um, but I, I, I also I was upset with Faint Order of the Phoenix because it killed off my favorite character and I didn't see that there was a good reason why he needed to die. <laughs> it's, so, it's so out of nowhere. And like, why? It was unnecessary. <laughs> they have just met. They have just, oh my God. You just, <laughs> that's just too much taking it away from Harry. Like just for a couple of, and before that, Harry couldn't actually really just like met up with him that often. And it's just so heartbreaking. And then when they actually meet up finally and then she, he was just gone like that yeah it's really yeah. it's really yeah no that's so I that's so yeah half of Prince is is actually kind of kind of a happy of it because also you're learning and you're actually making progress but I've always said my favorite from the series is probably Prisoner of Azkaban because and I think it's because I've got such good memories of it because I think it's the only one that Voldemort's not in so it's like the yeah. happy book <laughs> Prince of Azkaban is actually my favorite movie, but for the book, I think it's Order of Phoenix um, and then Half Blood Prince. Oh, I can never pick a favorite movie. I think I always have, like, I mean, the first film, so, and also Goblet of Fire, but Goblet of Fire is like a Christmas film in my mind because they always put it on TV at Christmas in, in England. Yeah. <laughs> um, I yeah. think because of the Yule Ball, because it feels more Christmassy than all of the others there's a lot of snow yeah <laughs> yeah it, it's the same with the christmas movie because i have a cable tv here and then every time i turn on the tv when it's like nearing christmas or like nearing new year's eve it's always going to be harry potter and I'm oh. Like, oh harry potter cool yeah. i'll watch 
<laughs> well, that's um, another really great. I mean, did you do you like the Half Blood Prince film that as an adaptation? As an adaptation, I I mm, it's kind of tricky to say I liked it. It's like I like the way that it just slowly transitioned into a, like a darker vibe. And then yeah. I know that it's just a, a, a like a phase that he has to go through, like this dark tunnel. And then you'll meet something. You'll, you'll meet the light at the end mm-hmm. of the tunnel for Harry. And it's just, I think, um, I think it's a necessary s- story for himself. But for the adaptation, maybe it's because uh, I could really see like there's the visualization of Snape really killing Dumbledore so like Mm. hard pass (laughs) yeah I do I think one of my favorite parts from sort of that entire book is Harry kind of has an I told you so moment that's that's actually really like sad because he doesn't want to be right but like at the end of the book um obviously for every every single book in the history of Harry Potter at some point in it he said it's Snape it's definitely Snape Snape's the bad guy in this book (laughs) and every single time he's been wrong so by the time he gets to like half-blood prince and he's been hot he's just been going on at ron and hermione saying it's definitely snape and draco and they're like you always say it's snape and draco it's never been snape and draco um and then it actually turns out to be snape and draco (laughs) and i'm just like oh no (laughs) when he was right i was like you guys never listened to him (laughs) and she was he was like the the two of them was just like harry not again (laughs) Well, it was like, it, it literally, I mean, I think it's Ron who like, he goes, he goes, you said it was Snape who wanted the Philosopher's Stone and it wasn't Snape. And you said it was Draco who was the heir of Slytherin and it wasn't Sna- Draco. And it's just like, and you said it was Snape who was doing all of the stuff in, in uh, year three with like when Sirius was, <laughs> and just like, and you said it was Draco or Snape who put your name in the Goblet of Fire and it was never any of these people. <laughs> Oh, it's so hilarious and then he's finally right and they're still don't believe him and then when he's finally proven right they were all like Pikachu shock face like, yeah. <laughs> literally literally so yeah that that was I mean it's it's not funny when you're reading it because you're so upset yeah. because of everything that's happening but like as I look back on it now I'm like oh gosh I mean he really should have just not blamed them so many times and they might have believed it <laughs> okay you know, so we are I mean, it's shaping up to be a really a very diverse list so far in terms of like genre and content. What is going to be the fourth book that joins um, your list now? The fourth book is actually really just, I think it's a sensitive topic. Um, it's full of family dynamics and also like race. So it's everything I never told you by Celeste. Um I loved it. I like I really love the book because it's it's a story about um biracial family living in the US and the father is of Chinese descendant and the mother is of US native. And they all they have three children and the middle the middle daughter is actually like the golden child and she was always like conditioned to do things that her mother wants wanted her to do. And since the golden daughter is in is like uh, the sole attention that they're pouring in. The other two is like a bit neglected, and it it was it, it it it's also like really heavily like nudging the race thing because uh, they're describing like 
they they really look different they they somehow look caucasian the children but then when you when you like uh watch the, watch them closely they they somehow look asian the descri- description look uh was describing it like that and there are things that like the title said everything i never told you was basically like the problems that these characters have that they don't want to discuss to their family members because of so many things um for the father he used to he used to experience like heavy heavy like um what's it called like racist thing uh, when dis- he used to when discrimination. he used to be, yeah discrimination when he went to school and people the, the other students were just like staring at him and and since like his his father was also working as a, like a gender in the school he had to he had to face this severe like um scrutiny because they look they look the same and then people were just like are you guys related and then it's just some sort of like um a source of his biggest insecurity throughout the time when he was growing up and then he met his wife um who was was full on like a caucasian woman and then they somehow they somehow fell in love and this is this took time in like the 70s towards the 80s and these things are are still very like weird to see not so many people are like um marrying not so many interracial couple would go on and marry and have children and it's it's apparent in the the wife's mother reaction she was like are you sure you want to do this are you sure you want to marry him and these sort of things just like it made me think that since they don't really they look like they look like they have it all together they look like they deal with their differences they got together and then they have children they overcome this these problems but they were still like um basically like secretive towards each other there's just um some things that they don't want to discuss like the the husband with the discrimination thing and the wife who actually didn't want to get married that fast because she has she has a big dream for herself she has a huge goal for herself she wanted to be a doctor but then she got married and then she have children so then it went on to her children because she she didn't get to be a doctor she wanted her daughter to be a doctor and but the daughter don't, didn't want to be a doctor and then it's just uh from then on it, it they form this sort of like never ending circles of secrets they don't want to tell to each other which then eventually pushed them into a limit that's like I don't think I could I could say this because it's a it's a spoiler alert but there's something there's something bad happened to the golden daughter and then it's just from then on they just started to realize what they've done wrong all this time and they started to evaluate their relationship with each other and they started to just like talk and try to understand each other it sounds like a really uh profound sort of uh novel is it so it's it's like a contemporary fiction kind with sort of mystery and that sort of intrigue um Mm -hmm. mixed in I I always find it really interesting books that are about I suppose family dynamics are always interesting because I mean it's one thing that you 
I mean, you know it when you're quite young, but the older you get, the more you realize how different everybody's families are from each other. Like no families work the same way. It was something that I know I realized um, quite late on actually (laughs) about how like just how completely different um, different families are from each other. Um, And I suppose like the unraveling of secrets because parents are very rarely completely honest with their kids or each other um but it sounds like a really interesting one and I think Celeste I I feel like I've um I've heard of her work before but I can't think of what books what other books you might have read uh, written have you heard the little fires everywhere it's it's hers too yeah, I think that I think that's the one I'm thinking of. It's definitely uh, a name that I'm familiar with. Um, that's, I mean, it sounds like a really amazing. But is there a reason why it stuck out in particular against all the others? Was it? Was there something that just? Is there a reason you just really, really love that particular book? Or is it just one that you really want to reread and and dig more into? I thought that. Uh, firstly I thought it was like a crime or like a you know a true crime story some some kind of like a murder story or something something mysterious really happened because at the summary summary does talk it's mentioned that Lydia is dead Lydia is the name of the golden daughter mm-hmm. and so it said at the back Lydia is dead but they don't know this yet so I thought that when reading the summary at the back I thought that this was going to be like a murder solving story but then as I got deeper into reading the book, I uh, that was really far from it. And uh, there's, other, there's, there's also another thought that came up besides the murder solving. I thought that she was, uh, she had committed suicide, the Lydia, the golden daughter. But then I started reading it again. I started reading between the lines um, through the chapters and it's, it's also quite far from that. So I think it's really tragic in a way. It's just whenever there's there's a character, uh, there's, a, there's a dead character in the story, it's really tragic. But it's somehow, I don't know what, how to say this, but it's somehow more tragic in the story because it's not a murder and it's not a suicide. It's just, and the situation revolving around her death and also what's happening in in the middle of her family and uh what actually happened before she was dead it's 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 just building up a the background story is just like so sad and then when you finally realize that she was dead because of that it's just like um it's just like so sad so it's stuck on me it sounds like a really powerful book i definitely want that um listeners should uh, would probably want to check out um well I mean that everything I never told you being the fourth book we've come to the last book in your list um the what will be the final installment in your uh five books to take with you to your villa Mm, this is this is actually a continuation book um it's very popular the first one call me by your name and then the author uh, decided to just con- continue the story so it's find me by andrea chiman uh basically i was uh the story of elio is it elio and 
who's the guy again? Who's the, who's the, the older guy? Oliver. So the story of Elio and Oliver really just, um, when I watched the movie and then I read the book, it was, it was just like, well, some people said that it's kind of creepy because Elio was much younger and Oliver was like um, 20 something. And I thought that uh, some people argue because Elio insinuated it first, insinuated the relationship first, so that he's basically giving consent and all. And I thought that it's just, it's a fiction. I wanted to to just um, interpret the story from the, the angle of it's just fictional story. And when I, I when I finish reading Call Me By Your Name, uh, it's the same ending with the with the movie too. Like Oliver, Oliver got married, and then Elio was just heartbroken. And well, like so many other relationships, they moved on. And so that the story explained moving on in a different, like in a very, um, I kind of say like elaborate way, because not only did Elio, who who has already moved on, but also Elio's father. Because we we saw him in the in the movie that he he was pictured having this like happy marriage life with his wife and his uh, his son. They were they were um, they were like they were moving in the same. I don't know. They look so good together. They they don't they look like they they got this. They look like you know they look like a happy perfect family. And then all of a sudden, when I read this book. It turns out that Elio's father had already moved on. He had divorced uh, his wife. And then he actually found someone that he could could really understand and who actually could understand him better than people that he ever met before. So uh, with, the, with the Call Me By Your Name and then Transition to Find Me, I was expecting that it will it will explain more about Elio and Oliver. I was really, I was kind of disappointed in that because this, the story opened in, with Elio's father's story. And it's, it's kind of long. It's kind of take up like 45% of the story. And I was like, okay, good for him. But I don't really <laughs> think, <laughs> I don't really think I'm here for that story. So, <laughs> so when I finally got to Elio and Oliver's story, I was like, oh, okay, Elio, Elio, you know, dated so many other guys after Oliver, but they were not the same. They're not Oliver. Well, it, the point is, is that, that he, he was, he was actually still in love with Oliver. And then uh, at the end, can I, can I say this? This is spoiler alert too, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah spoiler alert for find me. And I mean, I'll put a spoiler, spoiler warning at the, at the top of the episode as well. Okay. <laughs> So, so like they, they finally like um, got to realize that they were making a mistake. So they were always made for each other and all. So I think it's kind of like my expectation was very high for the story, but then it landed short. But yeah, I think it's it, it just sort of like um, delivering a message of moving on in an elaborate way for me. It's because these these characters, they they were like they were designed by the author to like move on into into another relationship that was just sort of like very new and then it was something that they've never experienced before they do things that they've never done before it's just like that mm. <clears throat> I um I mean I've heard a lot about call you back uh, call 
me by your name um but i i can't say i've i've not read all so whenever i see a film coming out and i know it's been based on a book i always i then don't watch the film because i go oh no i'll I'll read the book first and then i'll watch the film it's the same reason why i've not read to all the boys i've loved before because i really want to watch the film but um i need to read the book and all that sort of thing but um i didn't know that he'd written a sequel to it and um it's interesting subject matter the sort of topic of moving on and how do you move on after you've had this sort of life-changing relationship with someone you thought was supposed to be it the one yeah it um but it's really really interesting and I find it interesting that they also tackled like the character's father's story because very few books kind of bother with especially like contemporary romance and that sort of thing they don't tend to bother with like parents or older characters relationships as much but I I find like late in life like later in life romance stories where it's like it's not first love or you know it's people going through marriage issues and that sort of thing it's always quite it's quite interesting because those things do exist but I suppose they're not maybe as exciting or they haven't got like the thrill of um I suppose younger stories but I do think there's a lot to unpack there which is really interesting that that's in there um so I mean what have you read the first book as well what made you pick this one say over the first one was it the 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 alternate look at um moving on and that sort of thing or Mm, yeah I think like from the first one I think that it's just maybe he didn't have to like explain this explain the story about Elio's father that long or anything but I think that it's his way of writing to let the let the readers know that this is this is how moving on is supposed to be. And Elio, Elio was supposed to like, maybe it's, it's became sort of example because not everything that's like, you know, they've been married for years. They've been mar- married for over a decade, but then, but then it's over. And then he moved on to another person. And it's like, maybe he, he was sort of like trying to make a mirror out of it because Elio and Oliver didn't meet for like a, quite a long time so Elio was um was in his 30s I guess in in the the define me story and it's just sort of like uh his way of trying to explain that um well this relationship I mean it's kind of like cynic to say this but nothing is like meant to be forever and what what do you think about at the first time sort of like this this is this is it this is going to be my last place this is going to be my last destination but then it turns out it's not and it kind of sort of like translates to Elio and Oliver's story because Oliver got married and he he was also married to his wife for over a decade for years and they have children together but then at the end of the day they both realize that they're the loves of each other so yeah I think it's it's that way of the author trying to tell the readers about that I think um well obviously it's my interpretation but yeah I wanted to see it that way I think it's uh, it's one of those it's about the journey not the sort of destination kind of stories isn't it because there's some there's some romance well some love stories and romance uh, books that are like it's about just getting them together as quickly as possible and then seeing them together and then for some it's the really long journey they take to being together but when they do eventually end up where they're supposed to end up 
you know it's okay after that <laughs> um, and oh. you don't get to see it as much because because the the author also like included so many characters before them mm. they met this person and then they have um fun times they have they they've done things like different than before and then they've met another person it's it's like that with elio yeah. too it's like, there were a couple of guys before he realized that um all he was supposed to go to oliver it's mm. like yeah but but when you mention it from the journey itself i think it's I think it's really from the journey because it takes them it takes him like a long time and there's also a lot of just like sidetracking and it's like he finally realized it eventually and they get a nice happy ending in the end so yeah that's 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 what we like we like a we like a walk off into the sunset kind of moment which <laughs> is a really nice way to end your like a nice ending to end your very very nice list um, just for the benefit of the listeners, would you mind just listing your five books that you've picked for the main ones? And then we can talk about any that nearly made the cut, but didn't quite. Oh, okay. So I have to like, uh, list down, mention all the five books earlier. Yes. So the first book is Killing Commendator by Haruki Murakami. The second one is Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. The third book that I want to bring along to a remote location is Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince by J.K. Rowling. The fourth is Everything I Never Told You by Celeste Ng. And the fifth one is Find Me by Andrea Chiman. Wonderful. Thank you very much for sharing your list with us. Now, was it a difficult list to do? Did you have a few books that you wanted to put on there, but the others just, just made just one over a bit more? I think yeah I think there's also another book like I mean there's there's at, there at least there were at least four books that I wanted to include to this list but then there's there's like an extra book that I wanted to add as a fifth book but then I got to think that maybe the topic is too depressing to to bring <laughs> seeing that I will be going to a remote location and then I will be reading this all by myself it's like oh it's too depressing I have to <laughs> that book is actually called Girl in Pieces it's called it's by who's the author again Catherine Glasgow yeah Catherine Glasgow Girl in Pieces I absolutely love the book it's it's about it's about um a recovery journey and also a journey to find oneself again it's like she's been she's been lost with herself for such a long time because she didn't know what she could do she didn't know what she has to do and it's just it's also nudging the topic of um, mental health mental wellness and this is also a heavy topic because it mentioned and depicts a scene of self-harm and but but eventually it, it it's also giving um giving a very meaningful ending to the protagonist although not a very happy one because she didn't get to like um well she did she did achieve what she wanted to do and she she finally um found the path to herself and she was she was recovering gradually but then it's somehow bittersweet it somehow has a bittersweet ending and I wanted to include that to the list, but it's very sad. It's too sad. 
to <laughs> read in a remote location. We, we wanted we wanted slightly happier books for yeah. the uh, for the the villa. Fair, that's that's fair enough. But it sounds like a really interesting book as well. Were there, I mean, were there any more that you wanted to maybe try and sneak in with you, or was mm. it fairly? No, definitely these books. Yeah, I think they're definitely these books because, um, well, these five books with the with with the exception with the one that's honorable mentioned. Um, I think the six books have really just stood out to me in a way that usually when you read books, you you will still like remember sort of like glimpses of the stories for, from certain chapters, and then. After a week, you kind of sort of just forgot about it. Well, it's it's for me. I don't know about yeah. <laughs> but anyone else. It's like in the middle of it, I kind of forgot. And then I just have to like skim it again. But for these books, I remember it really clearly. And it's just, um, it's just uh, stories that are close to me. That's really, really, I mean, I can't think of a better reason than that for books to include. I completely, I don't I mean, I've reread a few books and the longer it goes but since the last time I read them, the less sort of the details that I lose. I find when I get to talk to people like yourself um, about books, like more comes back to me once we sort of get to talking. But Mm. if I was just on my own, I would struggle to remember the details. So, I mean, I always end up getting like more details that I remember from, I say, like Harry Potter or I mean, the Percy Jackson series or some other series that I've read that I I get a little bit more when I get to speak to people who've also read them but it's like I need that as like a key to unlock it otherwise it's I can't get to it yeah definitely. well I mean thank you so much for talking about your list it was really really fun and I was just I mean there's such interesting choices and I can't I'm gonna have to um have a look into some of them myself I if other our listeners wanted to check out your book recommendations or listen to you talk about books uh, whereabouts could they find you to do that right I also have a podcast it's called pieces of books and you can find it on Spotify um, maybe you could check out the Instagram too it's it's pieces of books so it's like pieces of books but then the C is replaced with B because I didn't get the username <laughs> so I replaced the C with the V so it's yeah. pieces of books okay and it's a wonderful podcast. I've listened to it myself and I highly recommend all of our listeners go check it Thank out. Um, if anybody listening wanted to find um, the podcast in other places, we obviously are everywhere. Well, most of the places where podcasts are found. And uh, you can also find us on social media at Books to Last Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and also Facebook. But I'm probably going to not do the Facebook because I don't use Facebook so I don't know why the podcast does um but yeah thank you listeners thank you so much for listening um Delima thank you so much for joining us it's been so fun and um until next time uh bye for now bye